Hey everyone, and welcome to the Soul Anchor Podcast, where together we'll discover how to stay anchored in a storm and how to thrive. I've invited some friends that I deeply admire and whose authentic stories will encourage you to embrace hope when the waves crash. These are friends who have navigated some fairly deep waters of unthinkable circumstances, but they've arrived back on shore resilient and strong. We will also have a segment, what I call Anchor Coaching, We'll all answer your questions about what to do and how to stand strong in a storm and give some practical helps on how to navigate that. And we'll also be talking about just some fun things like staying sane, how to keep our sense of humor, how to stay distracted, so to speak, from the heaviness of the storm. And so hopefully that will be an encouragement to you as well. So I am your host, Cynthia Cavanaugh, and I am so glad you are here. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Soul Anchor Podcast. And can you believe it? This is our last episode before 2021 rolls around. This is our last week in 2020. And I know many of us are just ready to cross it off the books and say, whew, let's go into the new year and praying and hoping that things will get a little brighter, a little happier, won't hear so much bad news. And so I just like to talk a little bit today about, you know, how we can intentionally focus. And a lot of times this time of year, people are thinking about, oh, things they want to do differently. And we call those New Year's resolutions. So hang with me through this episode, have some new thoughts that might be a little bit different for you, and maybe just some affirmation as some things that would be helpful for you as we head into 2021. And I was reminded in a video just a few years back of a little girl talking about what New Year's resolutions are about. And she gave a different twist on the meaning of making resolutions. And this is what she said. She said that change happens in a thousands of little moments. And, you know, I have to agree with her because she's, as she says that resolutions point to a one time to change, a one time to change instead of understanding that change happens in a thousands of little moments. And every January, we know turning over of a new year, it's been tradition for people to talk about change and the things that they want to see different in their lives. And that's a good thing, right? Right? But the problem is that rarely does it find success. And according to some research I looked at, the people say that as many as 45% say they usually make New Year's resolutions, but only 8% are successful in achieving their goals. 8%, now that's kind of depressing. And that's why I want to talk about this rather than focus on New Year's resolutions. I'd like to suggest unresolutions and a reset and how they can point to thousands of little moments in seeing us be different people who desire to grow and change. So instead of setting up resolutions that can trap us into being discouraged when we blow it, we can actually choose to focus in a different way. Now, traditionally, Setting up resolutions has been happening for centuries, if not thousands of years. It actually started 
centuries ago with the Babylonians. And the ancient Babylonians are said to have been the first people to make New Year's resolutions some 4,000 years ago. And for the early Christians, the first day of the new year became the traditional occasion for thinking about one's past mistakes and resolving to do and be better in the future. Now in 1740, also the English clergyman, John Wesley, who was the founder of Methodism, he created what he called the covenant renewal service, most commonly held on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day to mark the new year and new thoughts and new perspectives and new ways to live differently and better. These and many other ideas have migrated into our Western society mainly, and we have dubbed them as making New Year's resolutions. Here are some most popular resolutions that people usually list. This is usually, let's see if you can find yourself in one of these. I know I have. Get healthy, get organized, live life to the fullest, learn some new habits, spend less, save more, travel, read more. Now these are all good and worthy goals, but as our little wise friend says, change will happen in thousands of little moments, not in a one-time change. And I really have to agree with this idea that it might be the reason for the low success rate of good intentions, but failed to keep New Year's resolutions. Another thing to point out is that by doing New, res New Year's resolutions, they seem to focus on the changing of behaviors rather than changes to our character and our being. And you know, we can't really change our behavior unless we change what we believe. Uh, we want to change something. We, if we really want to be healthy, you want to change and have that your new year's resolution. You have to believe that by eating differently, that that's going to make you healthy and that it's not like torture in the process. So we can only change our behavior as far as we believe in what we want to see different. So what if we took a different approach though, in looking at a reset and new year's, new year's resolutions? I know that we all want to be the best that God wants us to be. We want to be changing to be like Christ in every way. I know that's my heart and I know that's yours too. But what if instead of making resolutions, we choose to focus on one word for the year that could go just beyond changing our behavior and rather looking to ask questions that would point to what we can do to change our character, which would then in turn change our behavior. Now I'm rather fascinated with human behavior and we live in pretty much a human doing society based on performance. And so rarely do we look behind why these behaviors happen instead of focusing on the root of what motivates those behaviors until we hit a crisis. And then we are forced to deal with the root causes of what's really going on in our lives and it can send us into a tailspin. We have to deal with the root causes of our behaviors and choosing one word can help us get to the heart of the matter rather than just focusing on changing the symptoms of negative behavior we hope to change. Now I've personally been choosing one word for many years and have found it to be so much more affirming and helpful rather than making a list of resolutions. And the one word exercise, I know you've heard this, it has become very, very popular in the last several years. 
And I love it because it really defines the person I want to be rather than just the changing of my behavior and something I want to do differently. It kind of takes on a pilgrimage for me as I go through the year, highlighting and reminding me of the person that I'm asking God to shape me for his glory. You know, I threw this out again a few years back to some of my Facebook friends, and this is what they said that choosing a one word does for them instead of making resolutions. They said it reminds them of what I'm, reminds me of what I'm supposed to do and helps me focus. It makes me stop and think and slow down before I proceed and center myself in Jesus. I love that. Here's what someone else said. Choosing my one word is the lens which I see God's word and the world around me. It's a powerful concept to know God at a deeper level and what he wants to teach me. It's a great way to focus, be intentional, and yet not feel overwhelmed. I think that's so true. Or not put on a condemnation when we know we failed <laughs> because we started wanted to get healthy and then we started out well and then we kind of messed up here's what the last person said causes me to intentionally remember and several people said that it helped them to focus you know the psalmist says teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom that's psalm 90 12. Now, this verse speaks of intentionality, purpose. And again, like our little wise friend says, change happening in thousands of little moments because we are breathing intentional purpose into each day, week, month, and the whole year. You know, our days are numbered by God. And wouldn't we be wise to do everything we can to focus on being an intentional in everyday living? I know that's my heart. I want to be intentional. Some days I make it and some days I don't but that's wisdom. So I want to look at this a little more in depth and hang with me today as we talk about this, as we dig in. And I want to use the story of Joshua in the Bible as a backdrop for my rationale to encourage you and me to choose a word for the year if you haven't done so already. And for those of you that practice this exercise, I want to, my prayer is that this will be an affirmation for you. So here we go. Choosing one word helps us to remember. And as I've already shared with you some comments from others that they've said it helps us to remember, but I want to look at the story of Joshua's career after Moses died. Now, as you know, Joshua took over from Moses when Moses died. He became, Moses brought the people out of Egypt and then, and then he led them partway to the promised land and Joshua kind of was past the baton. The beginning of the book of Joshua is a narrative of a new mantle of leadership from Moses to Joshua. The torch was officially handed down. And if you remember, if you read the story of Moses, because of Moses' disobedience, God prevented him from entering the promised land. He was able to see it from a distance, but he didn't actually get to step foot into it. Now this is Joshua's charge. So to enter the promised land that God was giving them, they had to cross the Jordan River. It was the first major obstacle they had to face under their new leader, Joshua. So here we find, you find in the book of Joshua, chapter three and four, all that they had to do to prepare to cross the Jordan. And just an interesting fact is that the river at the time was at its highest point in the season and was nearly as much of a feat to cross as the Red Sea that God had brought them through the previous generation 40 years ago. 
after the crowd passed over the Jordan, God instructed Joshua in the first part of chapter four for 12 men, one representative from each tribe to choose a stone and carry it on his shoulder from the midst of the Jordan as a memorial. Now these were not little pretty rocks we might pick out of a stream, but they were rather large stones which they had to be carried on their shoulders, which indicated that they were quite heavy. Both in verses four, six and Joshua um, 2024, this is um, what it says here. Let me find it here. It says, and those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know that Israel passed over, over this Josh Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for, his, uh, dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask, I love that God uses a vigil for the Israelites to remember. And if you read the journey from Moses throughout their journey to the promised land, you'll find that God instructs other symbolism of similar memorials so that the people will remember. There were memorials of remembrance for Noah, for Jacob, for Elijah, Moses, and many more. So when we choose a word with God's help, it can serve to remember, help us to remember that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that we may fear the Lord our God forever. When I choose a word, it isn't any random word. And I actually think about it for some time. And I ask God to reveal to me what word he wants for me for the coming year. And uh, sometimes he just drops in and other times I have to take weeks to kind of figure it out. And I ask myself some questions. Who do I want to be at the end of the year? What part of my character do I want to be different? Is there something I need to take a risk or venture? And as I said, it usually takes me about two to three weeks to actually settle on it. It doesn't always happen before January 1st, so don't feel that pressure. Sometimes it comes quicker, but it's usually in the process of what I hear God whispering into my heart. And sometimes I'm often a reluctant receiver of the word saying, God, are you sure? <laughs> but I've learned to obey and adopt the word that God confirms to me. Now, here's the deal. Because God has given me a one word, I seem to remember that more than a long list of resolutions because he surprises me in several ways throughout the year as I continue to pray into it. And, and that word shows up in many ways to help motivate change in the areas of my life that need growth. Choosing one word also helps us to remember that our lives aren't about us, that they are about bringing glory and honor to God with our lives. And so choosing one word not only helps us remember, but it also helps us to, number two, this is number two, first is remember, the second is refocus. I'm often reminded of Proverbs 16, 9, which says, in their hearts, human plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You know, we often think, if you're like me, that we have control over our lives, ha, 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 <laughs> and that we can make plans, but it is God who is sovereign over those plans, and so we should hold them lightly at all times. 
just like what happened in 2020. We made lots of plans and most of my plans went out the window because life changed dramatically. And I know that was true for you as well. But acknowledging that God is the giver of and is sovereign over our plans gives God permission to change them at any time for any reason, even when we sense his leading. Now, it's not easy for some of us who are type A, like myself, super planner type people. There are many times when I don't quite understand the plans of the Lord, especially when I thought I was being obedient to him, and then he mixes things up. I just had that happen to me in late September, and I will share that story, I'm sure, sometime in 2021 to you. But let's get back to our story in Joshua. Now, Joshua led the nation of Israel over the Jordan and into the Promised Land. The next big challenge they had was conquering the city of Jericho. And here's where the refocus comes in. So hang with me. That was no easy feat. And like I said earlier, it was a double-walled, impregnable fortress. Okay, that's what Jericho was, right? Actually, I didn't say it earlier. So <laughs> just remembering here as I'm looking at my notes. That's what I love about doing a podcast. I'm just going to be you know, authentic and who I am. And just like we're having a conversation. So anyway, back to talking about Jericho, here we go, which meant it just didn't have one wall. It actually had two. It had an outer wall and an inner wall. So it had two walls. It was built on a mound that was 70 feet above the earth. Now the harvest had just happened and the city was flourishing with food and water. There was a natural stream from the earth in Jericho that was inside the city, so they could have stayed encamped in the city for months against any enemy that would seek to conquer them, the people that lived in Jericho. And God was asking Joshua, that was their next feat, to get to the promised land. Jericho stood in their way. It was, and so Jericho was literally an oasis in the desert and was a trade city during the time of Joshua's conquering this, the city. Humanly speaking, as we just read it, it seemed impossible. And as you know the story, if you don't know the story, it's in the book of Joshua. But Joshua already had sent two spies ahead to check things out, and they were aided by a bold and courageous Jericho citizen named Rahab, who helped them with their plan in return for saving her and her household. And she has an incredible story all of herself that you'll have to read about. It's a fascinating story, but before they took the city, Joshua was visited by the commander of the army of the Lord, and it says in chapter 5, it says here, when Joshua encountered this commander of the Lord, it says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And then Joshua went on, fell on his face before, and he gave him some instructions. That visit helped Joshua most likely refocus. He was in close proximity to Jericho, and he had received this visit from, the, from this man, this commander of the angel of the armies of the Lord, with instruction that followed in the beginning of chapter 6 of how they were to capture the city, okay? So this visit from God 
helped Joshua to refocus. They crossed the Jordan. That was a miracle in itself. And now even a bigger obstacle was upon them to get them to the promised land. And that was they had to get to Jericho, through Jericho, to get to the promised land. Did Joshua have doubts? I'm sure he did. And God sent word personally to remind him that his focus needed to be just on God and that he would lead them safely through the obstacle of conquering the city. Now you might be thinking, oh, Cynthia, where are we going? We're talking about one word. Yes, but we're talking about refocusing, right? And that's what choosing a word can do for you and I this coming year. It can help us remember what God has done for us in the past, and it can help us keep our focus when we are faced with a humanly impossible Jericho. God desires for each of us to get to our promised land. He doesn't want us to just survive. He is for us. He wants to transform us more and more into the character of Jesus, but it isn't going to be easy. It isn't going to be jumping over a little stream and finding blessings on the other side with no obstacles at all. There will most likely be flood swarming rivers to cross and overwhelming fortified fortresses that seem to block us. Why? Because there is always an enemy lurking. Jericho represented the enemy to the Israelites. They had to get past those enemies to get to the promised land. There's always an enemy lurking who wants us to fail, who wants to discourage us, who wants to derail us, and who doesn't want us to reach the destiny that God has for us. He wants us to distrust God and to forget that God is for us in every way. And yes, in the midst of all this messiness, yuckiness, bad news, loss, grief, all of that, the enemy, his goal is to totally get us to distrust God. When God is the very polar opposite, God desires for you and I had to have the best year ever. Okay, I know that sounds crazy. He desired that for 2020, even if it's difficult. And have you ever had a best year ever and it was difficult? I mean, sometimes they go hand in hand. He, but God always wants us to flourish. He wants us to have victory over sin in our lives, over discouragement, over all the things that would block us from flourishing. He always wants what's best for us. So don't let the annoying obstacles deter you. Don't let the annoyance of all what's going on in our world deter us from flourishing and from being the best that we can be that God wants for us. Don't even let your own failings keep you from your focus on Jesus and his work of the cross in your life, right? Don't get your eyes off. That's what the work of the cross has done for us. It keeps us focused. Don't give up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's keep headed to the promised land that he's claiming for you and me. You know, verse 13 says, as we read, that he says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And I wonder what he was thinking when he was looking up at Jericho before he noticed the man of God standing before him. He might have had doubts. He might have been saying as he's looking up to Jericho and, and looming massive walls, he might have been thinking, okay, God, I trust you, but how are we going to do this? This seems impossible. That's the time when we refocus, right? And there's going to be a time during 2021 when you have your word and we're going to need to refocus. And if God did that for Joshua, he's going to do it for you and me, no matter what 2021 will bring. 
God knows you, he knows me, and he knows what we need. He knows which obstacles are ahead in the road. He will give us exactly what we need in the moment that we need it. And our job is to be faithful, seeking God at all times and focus and refocus continually. So the one word you choose can do that for you and I. It can give us courage and strength as we remember and refocus. And if we need to be encouraged by Joshua's story, then we go back to the book of Joshua so we can keep that in mind. So choosing one word lastly helps us to, are you, are you with me? I know today's going to be a little bit longer and I already cut this, but I think this is so important for us to look at as we head into 2021. So first we remember, we refocus, and then the third is we rely. We rely on God and God alone for this coming year. We can't do this alone. I think that I figured that out this year again. <laughs> if you figure that out, we can't get through life alone. We can't get through everything that's being thrown at us alone. We live in such an independent, get it done by ourselves, Western culture. And I think that many of us have found out that we can't do that alone this last year. We try and figure out everything to make things work. And sometimes they don't. They aren't supposed to without our total reliance on God. We need to rely on God. I need to rely on God. God is the only one that can break down that impregnable walls and fortresses in our lives that block who we can become and that block our progress. Notice what God says to Joshua. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hands with its king and mighty men of valor. And you might be thinking, okay, so why did nobody come in and out? They knew the Israelites were out there. Well, let me tell you what happened. Before it even happened, God assured Joshua of the victory that he had given Jericho into his hand. He needed only to follow the directions and be obedient. And believe me, it was absolutely crazy what God asked them to do. And I'm sure it unnerved the people of Jericho. Watching the army walking around for days. That's what God asked them to do. Walk around the city for seven days. They must have wondered what in the world was going on. They had never seen that kind of military strategy before. And because early in the book of Joshua, when you listen to Rahab's conversation with the two spies, she tells them that they had heard about the Israelites. Now get this, the people of Jericho, even as strong and well fortressed as they were, they'd heard about the Israelites crossing the Red Sea and conquering their enemies and the Egyptians being drowned in the Red Sea. They heard about that. And she says in verse 11, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Their hearts melted, which means they despaired. They lost their courage. All their hope now lie in that physical fortress they thought would keep them secure as it had previously, but they were scared to death. They'd heard about God, <laughs> but they wavered because their hearts melted within them and there was uncertainty. And as each day passed and they watched from their towers to see 40,000 men march around the city with the priests blowing their trumpets, and then on the seventh day, early at the crack of dawn, they marched around seven times more, 
And at the seventh time, the long blast was blown and they shouted. Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you this city. The city fell and the account says, as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. In other words, they were able to just walk right in and take over. God made the impossible possible. Jericho was conquered and the Israelites took their first possession of the land that God had promised to them. It's an absolutely crazy story that makes no sense, humanly speaking, and yet it gives me courage and increases my faith in God. You and I are God's chosen people, accepted in the beloved and redeemed because of the cross. We are on the outside of Jericho, not the inside with the people whose hearts melted with fear. We are on the outside with Joshua's people, the people whose God is the Lord, whose God is the victory. So let me say to you, dear friends, don't live on the inside of Jericho in your world. Let's live like those on the outside of Jericho, filled with faith, remembering who God is, refocusing on him daily and relying on him for each step of the journey. You know, I love Psalm 1829, which says, in your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. This truth is timeless and it's for you and for I today. It wasn't just for the Israelites, for Joshua. It is for us. And no matter what 2021 ushers in for you, our God promises to be faithful and he will do what he promises in our lives. He will keep us anchored. No matter what Jericho you may be facing, maybe your Jericho seems hopeless, totally shut up both inside and out. Get outside of Jericho so you can get some perspective. Look up like Joshua, not within like the citizens of Jericho, focusing on all the bad stuff, all the doom and gloom. And look up like Joshua did, and you will see the commander of the army, the God Almighty who promises to help you and not only help you, but bring you victory. You know, maybe there's a relationship that seems utterly impossible. And from a human perspective and all the psychology of the whys and the hows of what's happened, it doesn't seem to be changing. Maybe the heart of the person in the relationship seems like a Jericho, double-walled and obstacle to even truth. Maybe you have tried everything you could possibly try and it still isn't budging. God can do the impossible. Maybe it's a dream that has died over and over again. Maybe it just seems impossible at every turn. Nothing seems to be moving you forward. How can it be accomplished? Maybe it is a double wall dream. And now with what's going on in the world and in our country, well, God can do the impossible. He can do the unthinkable. Maybe it's a loss of an income or a job. Maybe you've searched and searched and you can't find the right position and you're feeling you just have to settle for second best. God can knock down that wall flat and open a new door of promise for you to walk right in. Maybe it's a physical problem, an illness, an addiction, a health issue you've, you've created. God can give you the courage to overcome and help you succeed. Whatever your Jordan, Red Sea, Jericho is, 
God can, and he will, I promise you, make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. Because he is the God of Joshua, and he is our God. And he doesn't show favoritism to Joshua, Moses, David, Esther, Paul, Timothy, Billy Graham, Beth Moore, whoever you respect and admire. He is my God, and he is your God. And he desires to lead you and I to the promised place he has prepared for us in this lifetime. His promised land, his influence through you, his destiny for you. You know, the word that God has given to me for 2021 is a really different word than I've ever had before. And I'll share it with you in another time, in another episode. I'm still unpacking it. I still have to find a verse to go with it. But whatever that word is, just know that you can do it, that you can have that one word for the year. And you can may have many new ventures ahead and not sure how that word, what it will mean. Many times I don't know what it's going to mean that year, but I trust that that's the word, that this is a word that God is going to give me for 2021. And I'm confident that he will help me for each assignment he gives me, that that word is going to apply. And I believe that for you too, my friend, that God will empower you and he will empower me as he directs our steps. And I will believe that for all of us, for both of us. So I encourage you to try it this year. If you haven't already, you might say, oh, I don't know. Give it a shot, okay? And to help you out, I have a PDF, a free worksheet for you to help get you thinking in that direction. It has five steps, reflection. You could take some time, set aside some time to try to work through it to kind of help to get to that word just some prompting questions. And how you can get that is just go to my Facebook page, Cynthia Kavanaugh, look for this episode and um, talking about the one word, the reset, and there'll be a link in there that you can click on and sign up to get the free PDF, the free worksheet, worksheet, (laughs) that's a hard word, worksheet, for you to sign up to be able to get that and be able to work on that. And so I would just love to pray for you. And before I pray for you, part of my reset for 2021 is to be more intentional. So I'm going to be taking a three-week break from the podcast. All right. So we're going to get back at it January 19th. I believe it is January, Tuesday, January 19th. And right after the holiday of January 18th, Martin Luther King Day. So I'll be stepping back into the podcast. So I'm getting ready for to launch season two. We've got some exciting guests that I've pre-recorded interviews with and a lot of great things for 2021. So I'd love for you to use that time to interact in the Facebook page, Cynthia Kavanaugh, go to that. I'd love to talk with you about your one word for the year and take time to take some time to really be intentional for this 2021 and see what God wants you to focus on. So let's pray together. And I just bless you as you go into the new year. I believe in good things for you. I know God's going to help you and I stay anchored no matter what is ahead. So God, I just thank you so much for this powerful story of Joshua and how you just did the impossible. And Lord, we know that your word is full of these kinds of promises and full of these stories, and you're going to help us overcome. 
So God, I just pray for all of my listeners as they think through a word that you would give them for this year, Lord, that it would help them to be intentional, help them to focus on you, help them to be able to focus on a part of their character or behavior, Lord, that they know that they would like to submit to you in a greater surrender, whatever that might be, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's just rest. Maybe some of us need to just rest, Lord, and that needs to be our word. Some of us need to light a fire, maybe be a little more adventuresome, take a little more risk to add some more fuel to our faith. Whatever that is, God, I just pray that you would give courage and strength and you would be speaking and giving encouragement as well to all um, those that are listening on the other side. And so God, we just love you. We thank you. We thank you that you have promised to be near us, that you are with us and that you will carry us into 2021. And we look with anticipation what you're going to do. And so we just ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Soul Anchor. Grab a friend and join our community at thesoulanchor.com. That's thesoulanchor.com to receive the show notes and resources to help you through your personal storm. If you've been encouraged today, would you please consider leaving a review, subscribing or sharing this podcast, or maybe even all three? I'd be ever so grateful. Until next time, remember, you are not alone. God is for you and you will get through this.